Hello, guys. My name is Zach, and you're listening to the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Welcome to the first episode. Uh, I am joined here by my good friend, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing? How's it going, Zach? What's going on, guys? Uh, ready to talk about some Niners. Let's get it rolling. Awesome. I love it. Uh, go ahead and tell the people where they can find you on social media, Anthony. All right, guys. So my main following on social media is my Twitter. You can find all sorts of Niners stuff, uh, tweets, polls, pictures, you name it. And my handle is Perry, P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49ers. And there you go. All right. And mine, for those who are interested, it is Zach Hernan, Z-A-C-H-H-E-R-N-A-N. And uh, just like Anthony, you can find me mainly on Twitter. Um, so today, guys, we're going to just kind of, you know, give you a little quick recap of what's been going on with the 49ers season thus far, and then uh, break down a little bit of what we saw, what we what we liked, what we didn't like, and then preview the Redskins matchup real quick. Um, we will be talking about what, what's gone right, what's gone wrong, um, is this 49ers win streak sustainable, and who we think is the early MVP so far. So uh, let's get into it, Anthony. What do you think has gone right so far to allow the 49ers to get off to this you know, incredible 5-0 and start? You know, what's going on with this team is pretty remarkable. I don't think anyone has really expected us to start 5-0. and I certainly didn't expect a team to start 5-0. and Not that many people did. Uh, coming into the season, a lot of people had question marks regarding this team. How is the defense going to perform? How is the offense going to perform? More specifically, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, he's coming off a major ACL surgery. Uh, a lot of players, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a running back, do take time to come back from those injuries. And especially the quarterback, when you are, you know, the prime player, you are the guy running the whole show. It's a lot of pressure on you. And so far, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't really impressed us, but he also hasn't really disappointed us, you know? He hasn't had superb standout performances, but he hasn't really put the team in terrible situations. Yeah, we've seen some questionable decisions, but it's not like those decisions have really costed the team. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo in the moment being able to game manage his team to victory is what matters. And you can credit a lot of that to Kyle Shanahan also. Him being able to establish the run game early, him being able to scheme wide receivers open, uh, him being able to make use of everything that he has as, as at his disposal. And look at it. You have three running backs, Brita, Coleman, and Mostert, and Jeff Wilson for a time. You know, guys who never really stood out too much, you know, they flash, but these aren't guys that you look at and go, wow, they're top five, they're top ten. And you look at them now, and it's like, these guys are some of the best running backs in the league, and they're not even getting a full workload. So you have guys like that in a Shanahan system that is just friendly to running backs and it gets the whole offense humming. And very quickly too, it's not just the offense, it's the defense also. We have a top five defense on our team. And a lot of that is led by defensive coordinator Robert Sala. Him, defensive line coach Chris Kosierik, and defensive backs coach Joe Woods, you know, it's almost like a three-headed monster coaching. I mean, look at the whole defensive side of the ball for the Niners. Everything that's gone right has really gone right. They're getting sacks, <laughs> they're getting pressures, they're getting turnovers, they're getting stops, all of it. You know, it's almost like this team is complete, and yet there's still ways this team can improve. 
So overall, it's just on both sides of the ball, offense and defense is what's really gone right for this team and has thus really led to them being 5-0. and No, I, I totally agree. You hit the nail on the head. And, um, you know, also the fact that they have been leading the league in rushing, averaging almost 200 yards a game is insane. Uh, and they lost, you know, McKinnon again for the second straight year. Some people were thinking this running game is going to take a hit. Uh, Matt Breed is not going to be able to stay healthy. And I know we're only, you know, at five games into the into the into the year, but we got to give this team some credit. They've worked their tail off. They, you know, really, really have done their homework on each opponent. They've learned from their mistakes. Coaching has gone right. Uh, their drafting has gone right. Their, you know, their rookies are stepping up. Nick Bosa is playing unbelievably right now. Uh, yeah. He's he's top tier pass rusher. There's no doubt about that. So the 49ers, uh, it, it's almost, and you know, I, I hate to sound like this because it's almost like you're jinxing yourself, but I almost want to say. What's gone right? Heck, what's gone wrong? You know, besides, you know, Robbie Gold and the the special teams unit not gelling. Yet, uh, it's hard to find things that have gone wrong, but you know, it's going to be our job to nitpick. So let's start nitpicking. Um, now that we're done with what's gone right, what do you think has gone wrong? You know, and you you hit it right on the head there. It's hard to point out what's gone wrong with a team that's five and zero, but. Again, it's our job doing the podcast to be really picky. And I got to say, I think what's gone wrong, and you can you can kind of put me on blast for this, but I think it's been Jimmy Garoppolo. So we do give him the benefit of the doubt after coming off an ACL surgery. Uh, again, it does take quarterbacks a decent amount of time to work off of something that major. But I think coming into the season, I think a lot of people had high expectations for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I mean, we're talking three touchdowns a game, 300 yards, you know, no interceptions. I mean, we had some pundits saying that Jimmy Garoppolo could be a dark horse MVP. And right now, he hasn't looked like that at all. And the sample size has been five games. Um, I do think that's still not too much time for a quarterback to really work things in. But he is getting to that point where... We're starting to get into the middle of the season. The games are really going to start to matter, even when the team's 5-0. and I mean, Seattle is right on our butts at 4-1, and you know, and you have a dynamic Russell Wilson who is just leading that team to victory. And the defense and the run game can only carry this team for so long. You know, at some point, Jimmy Garoppolo is really going to have to step up and play the quarterback position very well. And I'm not talking about one touchdown, one pick. There's going to be games when the defense just lets it all out and gives up 24 points, gives up 27 points. Well, then at that time, it's going to be on Jimmy Garoppolo to keep sustaining long drives on offense, constantly move the ball, constantly score, and just save the defense's butt. Because good defenses, you know, do remain good all season, but there will be times when they do slip up. You look at the Bears, you look at how the Packers started at the beginning of the season and where they're at now. So it just goes to show that a good thing on a football team can only last for so long. And when that thing ends, someone else or something else is going to have to step up. And in this case, it has to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, it's funny you say that because I was on Twitter, like we all are. And uh, the other day, I saw Grant Cohn actually tweeted out you know, comparing 
Jimmy's first five games to Montana's first five games of 1981. Now, granted, it's a totally different era. It's hard to even compare. However, for the sake of comparing, let's do it. Uh, they both threw seven touchdowns, five interceptions, and uh, Garoppolo actually has eight yards per pass attempt, and Montana had 7.8 yards per pass attempt. Now, am I saying Jimmy Garoppolo is Joe Montana or better already? No, of course not. However, you have to consider these most fans and even pundits were willing to crown Jimmy after you know his first five starts with the 49ers. Um, I think... Largely, Kyle isn't asking Jimmy to to put up the big numbers, to make a lot of throws. He's not dropping back 50, 60 times a week, a lot. Jared Goff and Sean McVay have been. So it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a test to see, like you were saying, when the defense isn't, you know, airtight, when they're not locking down opponents to seven, eight points a game, uh, how Jimmy reacts, how Jimmy's gonna come into play knowing that. He can't get away with three points on this field goal or on this drive. I'm sorry. They have to leave with seven. So it remains to be seen at least this season, how he'll react to adversity like that. Um, Moving on to what I think has gone wrong with this team so far. And like you said, not much uh, to be honest with you, but I'm throwing it on the wide receivers. And I think that they've done a, you know, a, terrible job of, at at being wide receivers however they're not putting up good numbers there have been a lot of drops and to be honest with you, it just doesn't really seem like they're on the same page yet with jimmy garoppolo and george kittle's george kittle he's gonna you know he's good for 50 60 yards a game minimum so i i'd like to see these wide receivers and they're young we might have one of the youngest wide receiving cores in the entire league don't fact check me on that but just knowing, you know, Dante's a rookie. Uh, I'm sorry, Dante's in his second or third year. Debo's a rookie. Jalen Hurd's not playing, but he's a rookie. Kendrick Bourne's younger, you know. So it's like these are young guys that are still growing. They're still getting used to NFL speed. Um, I think, and this is what we've been saying for a while now, this team is undefeated. Imagine them at full strength. Imagine them when they are on the same page. Imagine when Jalen Hurd is on the roster, when Trent, Trent Taylor is on the roster. It's it's almost a scary thought for opposing teams to think this team, this 49ers team, isn't even at full strength. They're not at their full potential. So, and it, it's it's amazingly exciting for 49er fans like us who have <laughs> years with Tom Sula, years with you know uh, Blaine Gabbard under center. So Jeremy, I mean, Jeremy Curley was pretty much the team MVP not too long ago. So they've come a long distance in a short amount of time. And it's amazing to see. Um, I touched on it earlier, the special teams unit. That's gone wrong for the most part. Robbie Gold has missed, I want to say, five, six kicks already this year. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's very, very shocking. And how much of it is on Robbie for not being there in the offseason, for holding out to get his contract? How much of it is on the uh, long snapper being suspended for 10 games? Um, Who who knows? I'm sure it's a combination of both. However, I I believe Holbo, Colin Holbo was there to start the season, correct? Yep. And I'm not quite sure exactly what happened to why he's not, he he was cut or whatever the, the reasoning was. He seemed to have been playing well with Robbie the last 
uh, four games, I believe, last season that he he played. I'm not quite sure what happened. Yeah. Yeah, gold was on fire. Yeah, they, they, he, he couldn't miss. He couldn't miss. Um, I mean, they trusted him to, to win the Seattle game. So it, I'm not quite sure what's going on with that. They need to get it together. Um, I would hate for a crucial game to come down to a field goal and it be a botched snap and a missed field goal as time expires. That would kill me. I mean, you, you see how tight this NFC West is. The, the Seahawks are one game behind the 49ers. They have no room to slip up because I can guarantee you this team doesn't want to go up to Seattle in you know January uh, and win a playoff game if, if it comes down to it. I can guarantee you they would rather play in Santa Clara. So they really need to get their act together. They need to be all on the same page. They need to figure out what's going wrong and get the kinks out now while it's still early in the season while they can still make up for whatever mistakes they've they've made because it's going to get you know week 10 week 11 it's coming by real soon and it creeps up on you the back end of the season just turns the corner going 100 miles an hour before you know it there's three four weeks left and you have no room to correct any of the mistakes that you made in the prior in the beginning of the season so yeah i gotta agree with that you know you see a lot of teams that are contending teams and you look at like the Rams who at this point they're three and three, they can't afford to lose any more games. And you look at the trade acquisition of Jalen Ramsey and you think like, well, was that an impulse trade? How worried is Les Snead and uh, Sean McVay? Because, you know, quite frankly, that team is underperforming. You know, golf hasn't looked good. The offensive line hasn't looked good. The defense has been getting torched. So you see things like that and you go, you know, you can't afford to be losing these games because there's another team that's right on your behind waiting to catch up in front of you. Exactly. Exactly. And just like you said, they mortgaged their entire future for Jalen Ramsey. I couldn't believe it when I saw the trade. I thought, I am glad John Lynch did not make that trade. I would, <laughs> I'd be killing him. And so would all of Twitter. Two first-round picks. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people and out a fourth. there trying to. No, oh, go ahead. And a fourth. And and a fourth. Yeah, the fourth round. And pick. a fourth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people out there trying to justify how you trade. You know, not just one, but two first-round picks. And it's like, you know, the Rams are looking like the Warriors with that top-heavy payroll, and it's just, you know, you're sacrificing so many assets and. It, you're just taking away from the rest of the team and you got to figure how bad that hurts them in the long run. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe Les Need isn't confident in his ability to draft starters. Maybe he's not confident in his ability to, you know, pick a good player from a bust. Maybe he's saying, hey, what am I going to do with a first rounder anyway? I highly doubt it, but that's what it kind of seems like from the outside looking in. Um, and you know, we were talking about it is would Jalen Ramsey have won the Rams this game against the Niners this past Sunday? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, we hardly unless, pass to our wide receivers anyways. So <laughs> exactly. Unless he's going to line up in front of Jared Goff and try and block Nick Bosa and D Ford coming <laughs> off the head. He wasn't going to do anything. I don't think he could help too much on that end. <laughs> no, not at all. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, um, especially, you know, the next time we play the Rams, it, he'll have some time to get acclimated to their system. 
Um, I, I'm looking forward to some some fierce battles between Jalen Ramsey and the 49ers wide receivers. Um, I it's going to be fun watching. That's for sure. Yeah, I strongly agree with that. So, uh, after we talked about what's gone wrong, so now Zach, I got to ask you: the Niners are five and zero. They've looked really impressive. Can they keep it up? Can they keep this streak alive? Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be a winning streak. Obviously, we want them to go 16-0. and But I'm just asking in terms of can the Niners constantly stay competitive and can they constantly stay in almost every game? And I mean, not going down you know, 20 points early, but I mean, whether they are down, keeping it within seven points, keeping it within three points, do you see that drive? Do you see that dog in this team to be able to keep that going for the whole season and beyond? You know, I really do. And we were saying for ever since Kyle got here, let him get his team together, let him get his team healthy, let him add the pieces that he wants, that he needs for his system in order to be successful. Well, he's finally got him, minus a few guys on the offense. And granted, I know Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey, Kyle Juszczyk, these guys are injured. However, for the most part, this team, it's, it's not lacking any major holes. So I think they can be successful. Um, as far as this winning streak, I think they have a relatively easy matchup. I know hot take, but against the Redskins, uh, we'll preview that in a bit. And then going on to that, they have Carolina at home, which is actually going to be a tougher game than I had originally uh, imagined when we in the season came out in in the off season season, excuse me. And surprisingly enough, with not even Cam under center, although I hear he might be back for that game. Um, and then the Cardinals. This team has a very very realistic shot of going into Seattle at home on Monday night in Week Ten. Eight and zero. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's very doable. You know what's funny is that at the beginning of the season, you know, I wouldn't have thought that the Niners would be this competitive. So I would really say before the Rams game at four and zero, I wouldn't have thought that outside of the Rams that Carolina and Washington were going to be competitive. So we get to five and zero. And you look at Carolina now, and it's like, you know, this is kind of hot takey also, but I think Carolina is going to be a tougher game than the Rams. I really think that. I think the Panthers at the moment are a lot more balanced. They have a lot more continuity, both on offense and defense. And quite frankly, they just have been playing a lot better than the Rams. Mm -hmm. You know, with Cam Newton out, here comes undrafted free agent. I think he's undrafted. Kyle Allen. And he's just lighting it up. You know, he's not throwing for 400 yards, four touchdowns, but he's moving the ball. He's putting the offense in good position to score. And you know what? They're scoring. Now, albeit when you have a, you know, dynamic, one-of-a-kind hybrid monster Christian McCaffrey who <laughs> can do it all, you know, that does take a lot of pressure off off of the quarterback. But, you know, they do have playmakers like DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Greg Olson, and, you know, of course, Christian McCaffrey. So don't forget my man, Brian Burns, up, man. He is balling. Oh, Brian Burns. You know, if the Niners had traded back into that draft, if they didn't take Bosa, I think I would have wanted Burns because he is lighting yep. it up right now. 
He is. Yeah, that was my dude. Yeah, that was my my straight back option, man. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a baller. So yeah, just like Zach said, uh, both sides of the ball. You know, the Panthers have it. Brian Burns, Luke Keekley, James Radbury, Eric Reed, you know, Niners legend. Um, everything is just clicking for the Panthers right now. And right now, when we do play them, they're going to be coming off a bye week. And it is going to be a really tough game. But like Zach said, no game at this point looks unwinnable with the way the Niners are playing. It may be ugly like the Steelers game, but I think this team does have enough dog in them. They have enough fight and enough, uh, I guess you can say, willingness to really keep it going and to really go into Seattle 8-0. Because when this team wins games like they did against the Rams, excuse me, it really makes you think that this team has it all. They can do it all, and they have the capability to, to prove people wrong. So I don't necessarily think this team can go 16-0, but the way they've been playing, the way they've been able, the way they've been able to um, just to be able to counter big turnovers, uh, failed drives, like, you know, like look at the Steelers game, five turnovers, what a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, to come out of a game like that and to be able to win is huge. You know, this team has what it takes to win these games, and I do think that the Niners can – continually play aggressive, strong, and smart football for the remainder of the season and hopefully further. No, definitely, man. You 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 said it, but you know, looking forward to this schedule, it gets tough on the back end. I mean, after wrapping it up week 10, Monday night with Seattle, they have, you know, an easier game, the Cardinals week 11, but then they have the Packers, the Ravens, the Saints, the Falcons, the Rams, and the Seahawks. I mean, that's a tough stretch. Those last two games specifically, the Rams and the Seahawks, I mean, that that's... The, the, the season ends in Seattle. That game could have huge playoff implications. It remains to be seen, obviously, because we're still early in the season. But, you know, this team historically has not done well at winning in Seattle. I think they have the team to do it. Yeah, I uh, I think they got what it takes. You know, you know what was funny is I was just telling one of my guys, you know, one of our guys, is that what reminds me about Seattle is Russell Wilson is playing lights out, but they're only winning most of their games by seven points, three points, four points. You know, all of them have been really close. So what Seattle reminds me of is they remind me of the Niners two years ago when we drafted McGlinchey that uh, they're losing all these games by three points, by four points. You know, we had that record for most games lost by three points or less. And, you know, the difference between those two teams, obviously, is that Seattle's winning them and the Niners lost them. So I do think that uh, that the Niners finally have what it takes to really match up against Seattle. And, you know, you look at Seattle now, it's like, you know, it's just Seattle Russell Wilson's. That's how, you know, that's how much they're relying on the poor guy. And, uh, you know, you shut down the biggest part of the team, you know, that opens the door for you to just play lights out and just, you know, beat the team that you're playing. So I don't think Seattle is as intimidating as they used to be. You know, it almost back then it felt like it was David versus Goliath. Well, now it feels like that the Niners are starting to rise to that Goliath uh, level, if you will, and really just become the bullies of the NFC. And it's happening right before our eyes.
It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's a sight. <laughs> you know, it's funny you said that because um, I saw actually uh, Brian Witt from NBC Sports. He had tweeted out that the 49ers and the Seahawks are both 4-0 against the Bengals, Steelers, Browns, and Rams. However, the point differential in these games, the Seahawks were plus 8 and the 49ers were plus 69. That's the only way to roll, baby. The only way to roll. <laughs> nice. But, I mean, it just goes to show you that, you know, I know people are saying, you know, well, you know, they, they haven't beaten anybody. They've beaten weaker teams. Yes, but the point differential alone should be enough to tell you by a metric of how much better this team is than other teams that have beat those teams. Does that make sense? 100%. So it's, it's you know, this 49ers team is for real. They have a real defense. They run the ball well, and that travels. You can play that in Seattle. You can play that in New England. You can play that in Siberia. It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter where. You can show up with a dominant defense and a really strong running game anywhere, anytime. So like I said, I think this team is capable of going into Seattle on a week 17 with playoff implications and getting the job done. And they have the coaching staff to do it. They have the players to do it. I know they're young, but these players have faced a lot of adversity already in their young careers. I mean, granted, guys that aren't rookies, but guys that were here last year, and this is their second year, you know, they went through a lot with all of those injuries, all of the 50-50 balls not going their way, all of the, you know, losing by a field goal, all you know, anything you can imagine that just is the bad luck aspect of football. That's what this team endured. So now that they've gone through that, they're so much stronger coming out on the other end. And I think that they're they're showing not only their football knowledge, but their their heart and their true character that they can overcome so much adversity. Yeah, and you can argue that that's going on this season too. You know, a lot of what makes a good football team, other than the coaching and the players, is a team that is hardened and a team that is really battle-tested. And, you know, especially Coach uh, Shanahan, who has really been put through the ringer the past couple seasons with injuries. And, you know, just like this season, they can't get away from the injury bug again. It might not be as prevalent as it was past two seasons, because, let's face it, the Niners are winning. But to come into a tough L.A. crowd, you know, rest, uh, represent Niners, you know, I heard the Niners dominated that game within the crowd. <laughs> but to still come into a uh, row team environment without your two starting tackles against one of the best pass rushes and one of the best defensive lines in the game, not have your starting fullback, not have one of your starting corners, and, you know, just a knack of injuries here and there, and yet the Niners can come out with a victory really goes to show how well prepared, how well coached, and just how well battle-tested this team can be. So you come into these tough games like Carolina and like Seattle and like New Orleans with that mindset, you know, you're looking at a Super Bowl team that can just say, we, we faced it all and nothing is there in front of us that we're afraid of. 100%. And I know I was talking with the guys a while back about there's only so many times you can have that next man up mentality. However, this team really seems to embody the fact that, you know, we got hit on, you know, got hit. Let's get up. Let's do it again. Whoever needs to go in, let's do it. 
They're really not being phased by injuries, by whatever it may be. This team is really, really standing up and continuing fighting, and you got to love it. However, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about who you would think through five games the early MVP is. So it's it's hard to go on because no one's really stood out on offense, but a lot of people have stood out enough on offense and on defense. But Zach, I think I'm gonna roll with our our best young linebacker, Red Warner. He uh Oh man, you took he might not took play. it right out of my mouth. Ah <laughs> He may not play as fast as Quan Alexander, but he's right there with him. He is one of the team captains. He is a big, big clubhouse leader. He is well liked amongst everyone. And I'm talking the coaches, the fans, the crowd. You even hear him uh chatting up with the other teams. He's just he's just a well rounded, great, high level character that has all the tangibles to be the next big thing. Especially in San Francisco, you know, who has a key host of very good linebackers, Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, Chris Borland. So Fred War- Fred Warner looks like the next big thing, and I think he's my early season MVP. You know, he's not putting out the big stats, obviously. He's not getting interceptions like a linebacker does, even though they don't really get too many interceptions. Uh, he's not forcing an extreme amount of fumbles. He does have one. You know, it's just his character and his play on the field, being able to be instinctual, being able to be rangy, um, always be around the ball. He's making the tackles. He's reliable. And that's the thing, too, is reliability. He's so good at the point of contact when making a tackle that you don't think uh, the person he's tackling is going to break it. You know, that's how sure-handed he is. That's how that's how confident he plays within himself and his ability to just go out there and play the game of football. And stuff like that is what makes a leader. Stuff like that is what carries defenses. Now, I get that his supporting cast is great around him. But uh, look at last season. You know, last season, his supporting cast was not as good as it was at all compared to this season. And yet, Warner was still the leading tackler, I believe. He was still a very solid player. Now he's coming into his next season with a dog mentality of just coming in there ready to play football, ready to hit the person in front of him, and just ready to make something happen. And when you play like that, when you play with that drive to just want to win games and not just win it for yourself because there's a lot of players in the league who are just all about themselves you know big ego da 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 no fred warner plays for his team he plays for the people around him he plays for his band of brothers and quite frankly i think that's what makes him my early season mvp so far and that's a great answer man fred warner has been playing lights out uh you can make the case that the 49ers have the best one two punch at middle linebacker right now with Fred Warner and Quan Alexander. So that's a great answer. Also, real quick, shout out Papa Warner. He is a great dude. Uh, we follow each other on Twitter. We've interacted a few times. Uh, if you're listening, hope you're doing well. My answer, I'd have to go, and it's probably the obvious sexy answer, but I got to go with Nick Bosa. Bosa has been playing, we said it earlier, at an elite level. And this 49ers team, especially with how plagued they've been with getting production and actually getting to the quarterback, getting pressures, this team has 
desperately needed somebody like Nick Bosa to come in off the edge and just hit home play after play, drive after drive, game after game. Bosa has been phenomenal for this team. Paired with D Ford and, you know, Buck and Solly and Eric Armstead, he is just everything this team needed. And, you know, look at him. He won, uh, you know, I think it was either player, defensive player of the week or rookie of the week. Uh, I can't remember which exactly, but against the Browns game, that man was on fire that game. There was no stopping Nick Bosa. You could have put a brick wall in front of him and he would have ran through it to get to Baker Mayfield. So, you know, what's funny about that game, too, is here you have the Browns. Here you have arguably the top edge rusher in the game of Miles Garrett. And he got that one sack off of Justin School early in the game. And that was it. You didn't hear anything from him after that. All you heard and all you saw was Nick Bosa this, Nick Bosa that. And it was like, Miles Garrett who? I'm sorry, Nick Bosa is the next big, next big thing. And I got to agree with you 100%. Nick Bosa is a bad, bad man. Yeah, dude. And, and you said it against School. Of all people, School, Miles Garrett – Got bodied by school. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Good players don't let themselves be taken out by and and no disrespect to school at all, but by no name players like him. You know, the guy's been playing well, really well, surprisingly well. But when you're Miles Garrett, the number one overall pick of the draft, there's a higher expectation, obviously, going into each game that you're gonna win your matchup. Play in, you know, play out. You're going to win your matchups. He was not able to do that. So that 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 says a lot right there about this 49ers team, next man up mentality, uh, even, you know, Brunskill. But going back to Bosa, this man is playing phenomenally. And it's so great to see as somebody who has just desperately been waiting for somebody to get production off the edge. I mean, since Alden Smith and Justin Smith, since the Smith brothers were back there, man, it's been years. Yeah, you, you know, and, you, you know, being a Niners fan, we were so spoiled by that defense back then. And then we had the rug pulled from under us, you know. Alden Smith gets arrested. He gets cut from the team. Justin Smith retires. Patrick Willis retires. Navarro Bowman, major injury. Oh, hey, we got Chris Borland. Oh, he decided to retire early because of head injuries. Oh, man, you're going to make and me cry. It's just like, I know, I know, too many bad memories. But, it's, you know, you're coming off of that, and so many Niners fans like us and the millions of others reminisce about those days. And it's like, man, you know, it's been a struggle the past few seasons, four or five years. And now you have it in front of you, and it's like, it, it, it just hits you in the face. It, like, this is the Niners' reality. This is what we have. And we have something to actually enjoy again, something that we can really enjoy to watch. Yeah, man, it almost doesn't seem real. It almost, it's like a dream that I don't want to wake up from. <laughs> but it happens every week, and it's, it's wonderful. So, Anthony, let's go ahead and move on. Let's move on to this Sunday. 49ers going to Washington, D.C. They're facing the Redskins. Kyle's going to his old coaching grounds. Uh, he said earlier in the week when he was asked, what's the best thing about coaching in Washington, D.C.? He goes, coaching with my dad, being able to work with my pops. What's the worst thing? He goes, everything else. 
Oh, man. <laughs> that hit Dan Snyder right in the heart like a dagger. Granted, it's no surprise. It's not like Washington, D.C. has, you know, the Redskins specifically have a, a great culture or, you know, it's it's known to be a fantastic place to work and play for. I mean, look what they're doing with Trent Williams right now. But nonetheless, the 49ers are going in there, looking to stay undefeated, looking to get to 6-0. Uh, how how are the Redskins doing, Anthony? What do you how do you think they're they're gonna match up? Well, Zach, let me tell you this: they're coming hot off a huge win against the Miami Dolphins, and I mean huge. This was a big, big, big important game for both teams, and uh, man, the Redskins just uh, they they played football. The Dolphins they played some football. Um, now. The Redskins are coming off of uh, a win against arguably the worst team in NFL history in the Miami Dolphins. The Redskins are 1-5. and five. Uh, Like you said, the whole franchise is a mess, Zach. They just fired Jay Gruden. Uh, I'm not too sure of his first name. I think it's Jammer Joe Callahan is the interim head coach. Um, I don't even know where to start with this team. Trent Williams, he doesn't want to play for the team because he has a problem with the medical staff. And if there's a player talking about the medical staff in bad terms, that's not a good sign. And his display of displeasure for the Redskins, I can imagine, is resonating through the rest of the team. You know, it's a constant revolving door at quarterback. They've rolled out Colt McCoy, they've rolled out Dwayne Haskins, and they've rolled out Case Keenum. None of which have looked good at all. And I mean, they've looked bad. The offensive line, they have some good pieces, but it's not anything too fearing. They have the ageless wonder, Adrian Peterson. You know, that's our dog. Um, I feel bad that he's wasting the rest of his career on such a poor team. You know, outside of Terry McLaren, you know, the new NFL's version of Scary Terry. um, There's not much going on for this team, Zach, both ways. You know, and it's like, obviously, I'm not a Redskins fan, but just as a fan from, you know, looking from the outside in, I feel so bad for these players. I really do. They deserve so much better. You know, Dan Snyder is a terrible, terrible owner. I mean, this is a guy who, who, from what I've heard, only favors his top five players on the team. And this is what I've heard from other podcasts. Um, I actually heard this from Ross Tucker. You know, former Redskin was saying that he only prefers his top five players and the rest of the team he doesn't care about. Uh, You have a GM who doesn't know how to make good decisions, Bruce Allen. Uh, Obviously, they fired Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan. They had Matt LaFleur, let him walk. Sean McVay, let him walk. So you could easily say, and and I'm not just talking about the offense. I haven't even gone into the defense, which uh, you can. The Redskins are just a poorly operated, poorly ran team that, quite frankly, drafted a future quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, but it doesn't feel like they even have a solid future set for him and for the rest of the young pieces on that team. Yeah, no, it doesn't seem like they've even began to develop him whatsoever. And I think Dwayne Haskins coming out had a very bright bright future you know, obviously with every player, it depends on where they land, but it's sad to see what the Redskins have done with him thus far. I'm hoping for the guy. I really hope he has a really successful career. 
However, with the Redskins, you you go and look back at the quarterbacks that they've had that they've drafted early, specifically RG3, Kirk Cousins. It just doesn't seem to pan out. Um, however, don't tell don't tell Bruce Allen that because you know he's over there saying how good this culture is. So it's pretty interesting to see what this team is turning into, and they're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to them and the 49ers. Um, I think that the 49ers should have a pretty easy day and, you know, you hate to, to say that and then just end up, you know, eating your words later because they came in unprepared. However, Kyle Shanahan was talking about this week, how, you know, they went in first thing uh, back from the Rams win and he was showing them all the bad plays that they made. That way they're not getting too hyped up. They're not getting too full of themselves, not getting overly confident and then fall into a trap game. He's doing his best to keep this team humble, keep their feet on the ground, and not overlook anybody. So I think that, you know, if 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 the literally the definition of a trap game would be against this Redskins team. I don't think the Dolphins are anywhere on their schedule this year. So this is literally probably as trappy of a game it could get for the 49ers this season. Yeah, you know. You see games like the Bills and the Patriots where you think for the Patriots it's a walk in the park and then the Bills just, you know, they hang tight in there with the Pats and then, you know, Josh Allen gets knocked out and then Matt Barkley comes in and then that was pretty much the game. You know, there's always a trap game going on once a week, I feel like. There's always something that, you know, a big strong team comes in against a weak little team and the weak little team shocks. Like, like look at Dallas and the Jets. Sam Darnold's first game back from mononucleosis, dude, you are like an adult, grow up, and he he just throws all over Dallas. He just embarrasses them. And Dallas, you know, they came from a, you know, two point conversion away from tying it. But albeit, the point is, they lost the game against a team that arguably they should have beat. And you look at this Redskins team. You look at what Kyle Shanahan said. That, that uh he seems like he has a lot of grudges against Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen for the way they handled him and his dad. So I think Kyle Shanahan is probably grilling his guys harder than he has all season. I really think that. You know, you the last thing you want your team to go through is a loss against a team such as this. And, you know, we talk about trap games again, but I think the Redskins are just they're just on a tier with the Bengals and Dolphins where it's like, you absolutely cannot lose this game. And I mean, you cannot lose this game. You know, Zach, I'm going to say this and I want to hear what you say about it. But this is a game I don't think you can even win by seven points. I don't want the Niners to just win by seven. Now, I'm not talking about running up the score. But, I mean, I want the Niners to win by 14. I want the Niners to win by 17. I want them to handle the Redskins, you know? I want them to dominate them on offense. I want them to control the ball. I want them to just smash-mouth football, you know? I wanted to. Ru- I just want to run down the Redskins' throats. I want Shanahan to do that. I want this team to do that. And this is the type of game you come into that you don't just take it easy and win by seven points. You got to just go in there and just smash them right away. So I want to hear what you think about that. I don't think this is a game they should just win by seven. They got to win-win this game. No, I totally agree. And it, it, I was listening to, uh, uh, is it Chris Sims? He was talking about how 
he thinks Kyle wants to put up 70 against this former team. So this it's a statement because good teams win the games they're supposed to win. The 49ers are supposed to win this game. The metric that they'll be measured by is by how much. Did they go out there and dominate on all aspects? Did they dominate on offense, on defense, on special teams? Um, so I think that they're they're going to be looked at, especially since there's starting to get some national attention now that the season's kind of getting to close to the middle point. They're still undefeated. Uh, I think you know places like ESPN, Fox Sports, NFL Network, they're finally starting to take this team seriously. So now that they have some more eyes on them, they need to show up and show out in all categories of the game. They can't, like you said, just win with seven points or a last-minute field goal because then all we're going to hear all week is they they barely beat the Redskins. They they almost lost to the Redskins. They only won by a touchdown. Tom Brady would have beat this team by three scores. So Kyle, <laughs> you you know it's true, man. They're doing everything they can do to to disparage this team, and I don't know why. They've done nothing but succeed in every game. But Kyle needs to come out, have his team ready to go, have their heads on straight. He needs to have his his, you know, best coaching game. And, you know, and it's not even like it's a huge matchup. There are no important matchups, obviously. But like I said, it's a statement. It's a statement that you're you've arrived in the NFL, you win the games you're supposed to win. And you win them by a large amount. I think what Vegas has this game at like nine and a half points. That's insane. Yes, sir. Especially for, you know, West Coast team going to the East Coast. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, especially for this 49ers team, it's almost unheard of. I can't remember the last time there's been a spread that big. If you, if you discount any game this season against the Dolphins, I would say you've never heard of a spread that big because I think when the Pats played the Dolphins, I think that spread was 16 and a half. It was something insane. But yes, that's horrible. It's awful. But no, I agree with you 100%. Um, Past four or five seasons, I would have never guessed the Niners would be at a spread of nine and a half. And, uh, you know, that just goes to show where this team stands. And and look at this, too. They're coming into a game against a, a very bad Redskins, but the Niners still don't have their two tackles. They still don't have their fullback. They're now out Debo Samuel. George Kittle is likely playing banged up with that groin injury. And so, you know, the running backs are healthy, albeit Mostert is questionable. Uh, they do have Jeff Wilson Jr., my dog. He needs more carries. Uh, as the fourth running back. But with that being said, Zach, um, there's not that many pieces to go off of on this offense. And uh, yet their spread is still nine and a half. So what does that tell you about the offense? What does that tell you about Shanahan and this team? Well, mainly tells me that they find ways to get the job done. Um, Jimmy was saying it himself. They've won each game in a different way. They're not, you know, yeah, they're running all over, mainly each opponent. They didn't have as big of a week on the ground last week. But each way, each game they've won differently. And that says a lot to this team as a whole because they're not a team where you take away one aspect and they're completely shot. You know, you you can't shut down the running game and Jimmy, you know, isn't going to be able to win it on his his arm. You can't shut down Jimmy and we're not going to be able to, to win it on the ground. 
So it, it's really, really a testament to how well this team is put together and how deep they are. You know, you're talking about their third, fourth running back as, you know, one of your favorites. So it, this team is deep and they're ready to, you know, to play against anybody and, you know, God forbid any injuries. However, this team, I feel like they have the confidence and they're built in a way to be able to overcome as, you know, evidenced by the injuries they sustained thus far with backup tackles in, you know, no, no uh, fullback. So it's it's really a testament to Kyle and John putting together this team and these players going out and executing the scheme. Um, moving on to the game, who do you think that they should prepare for for in this Redskins team? Um, is there a certain aspect, uh, their offense, their defense that you think the 49ers need to kind of hone in on and, and take seriously? <laughs> you know... It's funny that we talked so lowly of the Redskins, and yet there's still some things that they do need to fear. You know, let's just say it. Not all football teams are bad. I know the Dolphins are bad, but they still have some good pieces on that team. You know, it's very few and far between, but they still have good pieces. And now we're talking about the Redskins, and the Redskins do have some very good pieces. They have one of the more underrated defensive lines in the league in my opinion this defensive line is led by rookie Montez Sweat Matt Ioannidis Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne this team or excuse me this defensive line has been underperforming somewhat but you still don't push over guys who can get the ball who can get the job done Ioannidis and also excuse me Ryan Kerrigan linebacker are guys who can get double digit sacks they can pressure the quarterback very easily. Jonathan Allen, young defensive end who can play inside. Another guy who can get solid pressure. Deron Payne, uh, Montez Sweat. You know, this defensive line is the biggest part of the Redskins unit as a whole that I think the Niners should really be ready for. Now, this is another game we're coming into with Justin School and Daniel Brunskill backup tackles. And this might not be Aaron Donald. Dante Fowler, Michael Brockers. Hell, this might be a couple steps below him. But certainly the guys they're facing off the edge aren't the worst in the league. They are above average. Again, they are guys who can get to the quarterback, guys who can wreak havoc, and will, quite frankly, probably make Jimmy Garoppolo's day tough. So there's not too much to look at with the Redskins, but if there's anything to point out, it's their defense as a whole. I do think their defense is actually pretty good. They have some nice pieces. But more importantly, it's the defensive line. You know, Zach, one of the big stories all offseason and this season is offensive line play. You know, while the unit was healthy with Joe Staley and Mike McClinchy, that offensive line was just pushing and pushing and just, you know, just causing a lot of problems for other defensive lines, you know? Uh, the run game is going. Jimmy Garoppolo has had time in the pocket. And now you take away the two tackles, and suddenly the whole game plan changes. So Kyle Shanahan is really good at putting his offensive linemen in very good situations. His uh, scheme, again, I'm going to credit this to Ross Tucker. His uh, scheme, Kyle Shanahan's, is very friendly for offensive linemen. Excuse me. And it's going to be more pressure on school and Brunskill to really get the job done and keep Jimmy Garoppolo upright. 
and just even give him a couple extra seconds to throw to Pettis, to throw to Goodwin, to throw to Richie James, Jordan Matthews, etc. And I do think this is a game that's going to come easily for the Niners in terms of winning. But I think there are going to be times where it's going to be frustrating to watch the offensive line hold up against a very solid front four. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that because the uh, the Redskins, they actually only have three sacks less than the 49ers who might have the best defensive line in all of football. So they're definitely no joke on their front line. And, you know, we're going into this game with Brunskill and school replacing Joe Staley and uh, Mike McGlinchey while they come back from injury. So it's going to be a test for the 49ers. Like you said, they're not the Rams or, you know, another team with, the you know, a vaunted defensive line. They're not, you know, anywhere close to the 49ers, but they still do have a very talented front that they're going to have to keep an eye on. They're going to have to do their jobs and win every snap or else it could be a problem for Jimmy. He could be consistently pressured. Um, look for Kyle to, you know, if that starts to happen, I'd imagine Kyle would, you know, start getting some rollouts, start getting him to move outside of the pocket, you know, mobilize him a little bit to kind of get him, get his groove going, get him in the mix. That way he's not just sitting back there and getting slammed every play. Um, what would you say? I know you went over some strengths of their 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 team. You listed their defensive line, a lot of strong, skilled players. What would you say some of their weaknesses are? Areas that the 49ers team can look to take advantage of, capitalize on, stuff like that. Oh man, Zach, where do we begin? Um, we brought it up earlier. The Redskins have some of the worst QB play in all of football. And this is going along the lines of the Dolphins and Bengals because, again, these are all the worst teams. Um, I don't know if the nine, or excuse me, if the Redskins are going to trot out Case Keenum because I did see that Dwayne Haskins got first team reps this past week, so that's something to keep note. But if if Callahan and Dan Snyder even have an inkling of feelings and emotions they'll put out Case Keenum because they need to know Dwayne Haskins isn't ready. So one of their biggest weaknesses is the QB play. A slightly hot take here. I think we can expect four interceptions from the Niners this weekend. I think that that pass rush is going to demolish the Redskins offensive line, especially without Trent Williams. And they're going to get after Keenum. And arguably, if Keenum gets benched, they're going to go after Haskins or they're going to go after McCoy. And um, this defense has the capability to just embarrass quarterbacks, to just put their butts in the ground and just call game right there. So quarterback play is definitely the Redskins' weakness. Uh, We brought it up earlier. The Redskins do have a pretty decent defense. Uh, Their run defense is one of the worst in the league. However, I think they're fourth or fifth, fifth worst, averaging about 134 yards allowed per rush or per game, excuse me. So look for the Niners to really exploit the run. Uh, This could be another game where we expect Garoppolo to only pass the ball 20 to 25 times, and that's okay. I just want to see the Niners move the ball effectively, and I think they can do that against the Redskins. So those are the two big points I want to see. Obviously, I want to hear from you. Terrible quarterback play and decent defense, but terrible run defense. Yeah, um, 
I mean, you, you touched on some good points there. I think another area where this 49ers team is going to be able to capitalize on uh, their defense shouldn't have a problem stopping this running game. I think the the Redskins are ranked something like uh, 25th in the NFL in rushing. So they're not going to be running all over this team. Uh, this, this 49ers team, you know, alone, they're not letting anybody run all over them, let alone the Redskins. I know they had – it was interesting coming out seeing the the Rams had that first drive last week. It totally took me by surprise. I was getting flashbacks of, you know, the 2017 team out there when they couldn't tackle to save their lives. Oh, God. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was scary to see, man. I was having some flashbacks there. But they, you know, regrouped. They got in the huddle. They talked about it all. And you didn't see another drive like that for the rest of the game. So – I think this 49ers defense should have no problem stopping them um, on the ground. And just like you said, you know, they're the, the 49ers defense passing wise as well against the Redskins, they're going to have probably a field day. They're going to be pressuring Case Keenum or Haskins, whoever starts the game, into probably making some pretty careless throws. Um, I, I would go quite with four picks. I would say probably two picks just to be more realistic. I think uh, either uh, Freddie Warner or Alexander is going to pull one in. And I'd like to see somebody like Jimmy Ward get his first pick of the season because that would be, you know, the guy played lights out last week, so that would be nice to see. Yeah, you know, this, you know, we talked about trap game, but I just don't see it. I don't. You know, I saw one of those probability odds websites where you know like Cynthia Freeland she does the she does like her percentages and the odds of teams winning mm-hmm. games and stuff and the Niners were at like like 78%. I'm thinking 78%? What's the 22? I'm thinking like Garoppolo Bear tears ACL again. Half this team better get <laughs> taken out. I'm like, "Oh my god, no." So, yeah, you know, I that part of me wants to feel bad and like the Redskins because you know, they've been drafting high for the past two, three years. You know, even when Kirk Cousins was there, even when they weren't that good. And they have some good pieces on both sides of the ball, but incompetent coaching, incompetent ownership has just put this team in a terrible position. And <laughs> quite frankly, the Dolphins have a better future than the Redskins at the moment. That's how much I don't believe in this team and the Redskins. But, uh, you know, you should never look over a bad team. And Kyle Shanahan, like we talked about, has just mentally drilled this Niners team into knowing that, look, we are not going to let the Redskins even come close to beating us. We are not going to let this Redskins team even sniff, even get a whiff of what it feels like to have the lead or to be in this Niners game. Shanahan is going to put this team away early and they're going to put, and he's going to put them away fast. So yeah, you know, going back to what you said though, I would like to see Jimmy Ward get his first pick. I would like to see quite a few picks, forced fumbles, etc. And you know, this is one of those games where it's set up for Garoppolo to just take it easy and let the defense and the run game do the work, you know, it totally is. And, I actually would love to see Garoppolo have a hell of a game, but I don't think this is the one for him. Um, Moving on, let's talk about some predictions for Sunday. What do you think? uh, Give me some, 
give me your your uh sorry, tongue tied. Give me your MVP for Sunday for the 49ers. God, I you know, I saw this funny stat that said the Redskins are really good at covering number one wide receivers. Quentin Dunbar, who is a really nice, solid, up-and-coming corner. Like we talked about, the Redskins have some good pieces. He's one of them. Um, I, With Debo Samuel being out, uh, Goodwin isn't exactly number one receiver per se, so I kind of put the reins on Dante Pettis. I was going to say he'd be my MVP, but, you know, bad teams have a way of being good at something, and apparently the Redskins are good at covering number one wide receivers. But what's funny is that they're also the worst team when it comes to covering number two, number three, number four wide receivers. So with that being said, I think this could be one of those. Now, this is going to be a kind of funny sleeper uh, sleeper MVP of the game. But I think you could see like Marquise Goodwin and Jordan Matthews. You know, You know what? I'm going to shoot my shot. I think Jordan Matthews is just going to come in and say, what's up? I'm, this is my super hot take. Jordan Matthews is going to come in and say, what's up? I'm back. Uh, I might be here for a couple games, but let me show you guys what I got. You know, I like Jordan Matthews in the preseason. He seems like he could be one of Shanahan's guys while he's on the team. And I think if, if someone's going to get some targets, if Dante Pettis is covered and Goodwin can't get open, it's going to be Jordan Matthews. You know, football is one of those games where guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham will put up 10 catches, 110 yards, 120 yards, but score no touchdowns. You'll see the number two, number three wide receivers score touchdowns, like out of nowhere. So I think Pettis and Goodwin will get the targets, but I think ultimately it's going to be Jordan Matthews that's going to be the one to find zone. My MVP pick of this game, Zach, we're going to start our first episode with some silly silly take, excuse me, is Jordan Matthews. <laughs> I think he's going to get a couple of touchdowns. I'm going to roll with two touchdowns for Jordan Matthews. Wow, Anthony with the bold pick with the Jordan Matthews. I love it. Fresh on the roster. It's straight to MVP of the week. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, for my choice, I'm probably going to go with a safer pick. And we talked about him earlier, but I'm going to go with Fred Warner. Um, I think he's going to have a solid game. It's, you know, the whole premise is set up for the defense to ball out. I'm going to go with him specifically. And Fred Warner's my dude. I mean, this is my, I will, you know, probably put this on my, my tombstone when I die. My mock draft that I did previous to that year before we drafted him. I got Fred Warner down to the exact round and the exact pick to the 49ers. And I, yeah, dude, I I think, I think that was before I actually knew you, but I was so hyped when they drafted him because that was exactly what I predicted. So I've had Fred Warner as my, my dude ever since. Um, I think he's a phenomenal player. He's really grown into a great linebacker. Like you said earlier, a great leader. So I'm thinking Fred Warner's set up to have a hell of a game on Sunday. I like it. I like it. And yeah, Jordan Matthews might have been a little bold. I'm sorry. But (laughs) yeah, I think uh, this is one of those games, you know, that's just anyone could have like a career day. Multiple people could have career days, you know. 
And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in this game. And I think we can definitely see it happening. You know, it, it reminds me of the 49ers teams of the past when it seemed like every every Sunday some some other team was setting some records against the the 49ers defense and you know you finally realize like this team is just that bad that they're just giving up all of these game day records week after week after week it's almost like this Redskins team is that bad and you know they they should have won or they should have lost I'm sorry last week against the Dolphins but the Dolphins proved to be worse. They went for two at the last second and couldn't convert. So they lucked out. They squeezed by, you know, with a win. Moving on to Sunday. Now that we've gone through our MVP, uh, let's do stat predictions. Um, I'll go with Jimmy Garoppolo. And you can choose a specific player, whoever you'd like, to pick their stats, predict their stats. Uh, I don't think Jimmy's going to have a great game and that's not anything on him. I don't think he's going to have a bad game. I just don't think it's going to be required of him to drop back 30, 40 times and, you know, throw for 400 yards this game. He'll probably have, you know, an, uh, a, a mild day of, I'd say 22 of 28, 225 yards and maybe two touchdowns. And, you know, he's a little reckless with the ball. So I'll throw in an interception there. Yeah. I like it. Um, you know, again, this is one of those games where if the Niners get out in front early, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have the easiest day of his life. Now, he will make those reckless throws. So sadly, I might expect an interception from him, maybe even two. But with that being said, I think Shanahan really focuses on keeping the pressure off of Garoppolo. This definitely isn't a 40 pass you know, 40 pass attempt game for Garoppolo. It definitely feels like one of those 25 to 30 ones, maybe even less. So I'm thinking like you more in the 18 to 20 range, maybe let's go 19 of, I'm going to say he's going to have a solid 19 to 27. Uh, I got to roll with my two touchdowns to Jordan Matthews, but uh, I think he can throw for three touchdowns. Got to throw an interception and Overall, it's just going to be a really solid day for Jimmy G. But to be to be more original instead of copying you, uh, I think this will be one of those rare uh, multi-100-yard rusher games. You know, we saw it a lot last season with uh, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. And once the Niners' offensive line gets healthy, I think the Niners can really establish that dominance between Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman. But even with the two tackles out, I still think they can get it rolling in this game. I would not be surprised if Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman both rush for over 100 yards. I could totally see that happening. I could see Matt Breida rolling out 140. You know, I'll give you a prediction here. I think Matt Breida is going to go for 13 carries, 142 yards. I think Tevin Coleman is going to go for 11 carries, 109 yards. Both of these guys have big playability running the ball. And I think in such a game like this, it's going to happen for both of them. I think they both can really get that rolling. Shoot, shoot me a bonus prediction. How many times does Jeff Wilson see the end zone? 
<laughs> you better see the end zone. I'm going to flip something. Uh, in case you guys don't know, as you guys listen along, I will probably throw in some Jeff Wilson facts, Jeff Wilson stats, just because he is my favorite running back in the world, and he deserves he deserves every goal line carry possible for the Niners. So he better score at least one touchdown, and just Shanahan better make me happy. He better get that opportunity. <laughs> All right, talking touchdowns. Let's wrap it up with a final score prediction. I'll go first. Um, I think they'll probably win. I want to go 28 to 7. 49ers. Okay, you had me worried there. You hesitated on the Niners. I wasn't too sure if you're going to roll with the Niners there or <laughs> I, not. I, did, I didn't think it needed to be said, but I thought just to be clear, I should say. <laughs> just, in case the, just in case the people know that we want the Niners to win. This <laughs> is a Niners podcast after all. <laughs> um, yeah, I got to roll with that. I think the Niners can handle the Redskins. I think they're going to get throttled. Um I'm going to roll with 34 to 13. I think the Niners are going to put up points early and often. I think the Niners will get a defensive touchdown or two again, just like the Bucks game. And I think overall the Niners are just going to move the hell out of the ball. So what I say, 34-13, I think I'm going to roll with 34-13. All right, man. I mean, it should be a pretty pretty easy day for them to move to 6-0. and um, I would love to see it. I, I think the last time they went 6-0 was 1990. And I think they ended up starting 10-0 uh, that year. I wasn't even born yet. I was next four years old. So um, thank you guys for tuning in to the first episode of the Red and Gold Standard podcast uh, hosted on 49ers Hive. Just to end with a quick uh, stat, I saw Pro Football Focus tweet out earlier all of the playoff probability percentages for all of the teams, the 49ers currently have a 91% chance of making the playoffs. <laughs> right. And, 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 and get, get this. Why do the saints have a higher percentage? Why do they have a 96% chance of making the playoffs? God, I really like the saints, but something about watching Teddy Bridgewater is like, Oh my God, this guy just wants his team to only win by a score or 10 points. Like he just wants his team to just, Hey guys, I'm going to play good. I'm going to play decent quarterback, but I want you guys to know I'm not going to move the ball every time. This isn't just me. You guys got to get involved too. (laughs) He's no Drew Brees. Although I must say he's done an admirable job, admirable job of stepping in and really, really playing mistake free football so you know kudos to the saints we'll see them you know later on in the season and i really hope it's a good game uh hopefully it's not too good for new orleans because the last time we saw them uh was the last time we saw them the infamous ahmad brooks sack penalty yeah i think that was it god that was so long ago yeah so hopefully the 49ers can get some revenge I, it, it almost seems like uh, the the Saints got a little bit of karma from the refs last season against the Rams, didn't it? Yeah. A lot of people forget about that Ahmad Brooks moment. And, uh, you know, sometimes sneaky karma comes to bite you. <laughs> it comes to bite you. There's that, there's that gif on Twitter of Ahmad Brooks going to sack Drew Brees. And then the next, like, shot is Drew Brees being interviewed. And he has, like, giraffe neck. 
Because he just got his whole neck. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one. I've seen that one. Yeah. If you, <laughs> if you guys, yeah, if you guys one. tweet that gif at us, that will, you don't even have to add any words, any context. If you tweet that gif at us, I'll retweet it every single time. Tweet it at me, <laughs> man. I love it. I love it. But thank you guys for joining in to the first episode of the Red and Gold Standard podcast. Um, I'm Zach. You can find me at Zach Hernan or 49ers Hive. Um, I'm joined by my good friend Anthony again. Let them know where they can find you. All right, guys. For the one time, my Twitter handle is Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, underscore 49ers. Again, Perry, underscore 49ers. That's where it's at, baby. All right. And uh, you guys will normally see uh, Steve Mullen as well here with us he couldn't make it during this first introductory episode however just a heads up he will normally be along here with us and we will have um our good friend stefan kruger back here doing quality control making sure everything's up to standards up to par so you're meeting the team now and uh we hope to get familiar with all you guys hopefully you guys get familiar with us thanks for tuning in and we look forward to catching up with you guys hopefully after the niners are six and oh